Goodbye, don't you get ready Goodbye, don't get ready Goodbye, don't you get ready Hey out there people, welcome back to the Nicholas Comics Q&A, your weekly update machine, your weekly guide to the Nicholas Comics world, your weekly insight into what's going down here at Nicholas Comics HQ, and insightful discussion as always. Even if nobody pops on, rest assured, I'll have something interesting to discuss to tide you over for yet another week because interesting people such as myself are generally able to carry on an interesting discussion of any given topic for two hours straight and that's just kind of how it goes down here on the Nicholas Comics Q&A so buckle your seatbelts and it's about to be a wild ride up in this is as now uh, as I've said time and again I've got a lot of tape stuff coming out, but currently my tape deck is in for repairs, so I have to wait for it to get out the shop before I can start recording a fresh new hot batch of tapes. But rest assured, once that tape is uh, is ready to go, it's going to be sizzling. It's going to be hot as heck, so get ready for that. It's, it's going to freaking uh, blow you away with just how high quality it is. Um... What else is going on? Got a lot of musical fun coming up. Got a lot of, of interesting musical uh, stuff that will uh, absolutely astonish and amaze uh, with just how great it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, since Dingo might be on in a couple minutes, he usually is around this time. Damn, roughly. Whoops, I got the got hiccups. I, I figured I, I'd give a recommendation, a, a shout-out here on the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Uh, Dingo's new video, uh, Destiny vs. Vouch, if anyone cares about these, these two nut jobs, these two absolute pathetic losers, then go ahead and check out Dingo's video uh, about them and their epic rivalry uh, in Twitch land, their, their amazing, spectacular uh, war, their, their, their battles their triumphs, their losses, their tears, their victims, their 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 pathos, their emotion, their their lives, their tears, their thoughts, their dreams, their hopes, their celebrations, etc. Um, it's really a, a breaking a, a, a poignant account of how these these two uh, losers who aren't real political commentators uh, but pretend to be on Twitch. And make believe that they're CNN anchors. Uh, it, it's a poignant account of how they had a falling out. They had a little boohoo, and uh, now they don't like each other. Or something. It's a really great video by Dingo, as always, going in uh, with the investigative journalism to this fascinating topic, and uh, it, it, it will amaze you with just how uh, interesting and cool it is. Um, you know me, I really like uh, uh, Twitch. It's one of my fave platforms. Um, and so this video really goes to show how exciting and interesting and multi-layered uh, the Twitch platform is and just how much betrayal and, and drama there is aboard the Twitch train. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout out to Dingo. Makes fantastic videos. 
currently sitting at over 1,000 uh, subscribers, 1,000 and and around 120, 1,120 subs. Uh, good on him. He he's found how to appeal to the algorithm and is now uh, completely monetized. So that's cool. Uh, as for me, I remain unmonetized on YouTube. So if you want to support my work and enjoy what I do and want to see more of it, then why not consider paying me for my labor by writing to Nicholas Cicada, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Denver, Colorado, 80206, and buying some of my fine comics products, uh, compact cassette tapes, or VHS tapes. However you want, whatever you want, Nicholas Comic is you covered, and it really is the moral thing to do. Breaking news here, loyal listener of the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Got a private message here from Concour, one of the greatest rappers in the United Kingdom. Or Britain, as I prefer to call it, because it's really just uh, a Ponzi scheme where Britain controls everything. Uh, uh, this isn't relevant to the discussion here on the Q&A, uh, but Concour really is a fantastic, a fantastic musician. I highly recommend his uh, his epic album Return to Conworld. Is Return to Conworld still up? I forget. Let me check. I, th I think uh, a track was removed from it. Luckily I still have that track uh, on my hard drive, uh, which is good because there are some uh, some lost Concour gems that I would have lost if I hadn't uh, paid attention to them. What was it called? What was the one I really liked called? Um, it, it was like a diss track. I forget what it was called. But in, anyway, uh, you should definitely listen to uh, Return to Conworld by Concour. Really epic album. I, I did the album art on it. Um, so it's a really epic album cover uh, that I did with uh, colored pencils for a change. Usually I don't do uh, colored pencils. Oh, that's right, it was called uh, Validation, the epic diss track that, for whatever reason, is unavailable. But I still have it uh, on my... If I recall, it, it, it's pretty minger. I think because I did the production on it. Yeah, I did the production on it. Uh, Concour is a fantastic British rapper. Um, he's kind of the British Eminem. So anyone who's into rap... Um... Hang on, my stupid computer is frozen here. Ooh. What is going on here? This shit. My stupid computer. Uh, it's been acting up more than usual lately. It's been being a real problem. Uh, Concour is definitely kind of the British Eminem. Uh, if you're into rap, if you're into the hip-hop game, if you're into the key players of the rap scene today, then Concour is the one for you. Concour is a cool-ass rapper, uh, one of the best of the British uh, kingdom. Unlike those other frauds like Scroobius Pip or Professor Elemental, who use their nationality as a crutch and an unfunny joke and a gimmick again and again and again, uh, Concour 
actually tries to deliver some hard-hitting beats and some epic lyricism. Uh, I, I, I prefer Concord. He is the best British rapper, hands down. He really has a handle on that swing, so check him out. Uh, it's hype. It's hype hip-hop. Just, just the other day, I, I was out and about, and a fan stopped me and was like, I want some new material on tape, and I happened to have a copy of Bowling Green Miscreants on hand, one of the most epic collab albums ever made between me and Concour, as it happens. And I was like, you should listen to this. It doesn't sound like my normal stuff, because, you know, it's it's, it's pretty much based on, like, uh... No, it, it, it's, it's, it's a collab album, so it has a very different sound from my usual fare. Um, but he was like, aw, shit, yeah, I, I want this. this. This looks cool. And uh, I imagine it's being listened to even as we speak, which is exciting. Uh, when I first announced the Bowling Green Miscreants on tape release, uh, nobody actually uh, sent in for that. And that's a shame, because it really is a fantastic thing to listen to on tape. It's beautiful. Beautiful songs with a beautiful message overall and just a really wonderful concept album when you get right down to it But that said you should definitely check out Conqueror's music. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Conqueror if he wants to pop on the Q&A right now uh, Just a moment hmm. Just going to ask Conqueror if he wants to appear in person here on the Q&A, uh, live on the air, which is one of the exciting benefits of uh, this format here. Uh, so, the deal is, if somebody pops on here, get into questions, not, I'll probably find something interesting. Ah, Conqueror says he's uh, going to pop on the Q&A, so I guess we'll have that. Alright, so if anyone has questions for Concour, uh, feel free to type them out in the voice chat there. Um, if you have any thoughts, inquiries about uh, Concour's current uh, release schedule or anything like that, uh, feel free to type it out or ask him live on the air here. He's going to pop on uh, in, just, in just a moment. Uh, let me... Let me uh, let me get him on. Hang on. Concour certainly is a mysterious figure. That's the other facet uh, of his alluring and charismatic rap personality, is that his identity is a complete secret from the public, which I find often makes for some of the most alluring tales of hip-hop. For instance, Mr. Fantastic on the MF Doom release, uh, Take Me to Your Leader, Nobody knows who he is, and that's pretty dang cool if you think about it. It's kind of crazy uh, that nobody knows who this guy is, but he's such a damn good rapper, and uh, his rap game is fire, yo. So it's kind of it's kind of a a subversion of expectations, so to speak. It's a pretty awesome gimmick uh, to be an anonymous type rapper. Uh, that's why the Masked Singer uh, got so big as a show, I guess. I don't know. I haven't watched it. I don't watch too many of those reality-type shows. All right, we got Concour on. Any questions, sir? Any questions really. here on the Nicholas Comics? Oh, really? Day, right off the bat. Um, 
I just joined because you asked me to join. All right. Uh, does any of our listening audience have any questions for Concor? Uh, as I've said, Concor here is one of the foremost British rappers uh, in the British rap game today, one of the pioneers of uh, UK rap. Would you describe your rap as, as any sort of particular uh, subgenre or anything like that? Um, what, my rap? Um, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's progressive pop. Progressive pop. Uh, not to be confused with Purposeful Pop, I assume, which is the genre that Katy Perry released her infamous Witness album under. Is is it a bit like prog rock, but but prog pop? Yeah. I mean, or you know like the pop. album Bowling Green, you know Bowling Green Miss Krantz? Absolutely, it's a fantastic album. Yeah, that's a progressive pop album. It's a progressive pop album. What are the differences between, for instance, progressive pop and something like hyperpop? Well, one's shit and one's good. And I, I, I presume by one is shit, you're referring to hyperpop. Yeah. Not much into hyperpop. Why is that? Oh, uh, it's just loud sounds. Progressive pop, uh, I presume, then focuses more on uh, composition and substance and less on being blatant and, and kind of obnoxious by design. Is that it? Yeah. That's an interesting argument. Well, I can say there is some hyperpop I like. For instance, uh, I'm, I'm particularly fond of the Planet 1999 single, uh, Party, um, because it isn't that abrasive. I definitely am not too big into the 100 Gex type stuff. I find it a, I, a, a bit I got a bit your cringe. definition. got your definition of progressive, progressive pop. Milder counterpart to progressive rock emerging in the late 1960s and introducing complex songwriting and arrangements into a pop context. All right, that's like a, you know, Queen, yes, those are progressive rock. Um, particularly, yes, you know, if you've heard like Roundabout, um, Owner of a Lonely Heart, rock, rock uh, really long, drawn out, extremely you know, focusing on like the composition and the like. So I'd so you, say, I'd say on. my music, you know, is kind of like simple melodies, but the rhythm, like I always use like uncommon time signatures and stuff like that. So it's like right, and that's really very complex. common in in prog rock. It really was about um, composition and the, and the different things you can do if you treat your rock song less like a like a cheap cheap thrill and more like a grand opera now bohemian rhapsody the really interesting thing about bohemian rhapsody is that it doesn't have a a, a chorus verse structure in the traditional sense that uh, a lot of rock songs and just songs in general do bohemian rhapsody is composed of multiple sections all of which form a coherent piece but none of which repeat inherently hmm yeah, no, I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, are 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 you into any particular prog rock type songs? Um, Black Midi's good band. Uh, Suzumu Hirasawa is pretty damn good. Oh, you're into you're into Black Midi. What are your thoughts on One Hundred Gex? The worst band ever. Not too fond of them. Why is that? 
um they they they're like really loud they use auto tune they they use trap trap music as well they i hate trap music i hear the i hear the the tree featured on on the front of that one uh, 100 gex album is now kind of a mecca for the hyper pop crowd and people kind of make make, make a holy pilgrimage to it uh, in that it's it's seen as kind of a sacred location uh, within the the hyper pop fan base. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, could you repeat the question? The, the tree that's featured on the on the 100 Gex album, I think it's called like a Tree of a Thousand Clues, or no, 1,000 Gex, uh, and, and the Tree of Clues. Sorry, um, that's a tree that's in uh, Des Plaines. Uh, which I guess is the little Midwestern bumpkin town that 100 Gex comes out of, uh, and it's become kind of a kind of a shrine where hyperpop fans will go to the base of the tree and leave little little tamagotchis and other hyperpop-oriented trinkets uh, as kind of a kind of a a tribute yeah. to their fave band 100 Gex. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think 100 Gex are just a fad. I think that uh, they're just the new sound that kids are listening to. And, um, oh, well, it, I guess I'm kind of biased because a large group of people that hated me in the past make, make hyper-pop music, so. You'd argue hyper-pop doesn't really have any staying power and that in order to achieve any kind of staying power, it would need to achieve a kind of maturity which it's currently lacking. Yeah, get rid of the auto tune and the trap influence. So I, I gather you're not a very big fan of trap in particular. You don't like trap beats, pop chords overlaid over trap beats. Yeah. I I think trap as a genre is kind of dying. People are getting sick of it, and people want something newer and more forward thinking than just these repetitive, drawn out trap beats that are just kind of uh droning and hypnotic i mean that's what that's yeah. what the name trap refers to is kind of you know it, it traps you in kind of being a, this boring placid state it's not it's not exciting stuff so 100 gex stated ambition of making really fun exciting music is kind of undermined by their their use of the really dull repetitive generic trap beats is that is that what i gather yeah Uh, what are your thoughts on the new 100 Gex, or I guess it's not new, it's it's pretty old at this point. Uh, they're, they're single Doritos and Fritos. What, what what are your thoughts on that one? I've never heard of it until you just brought You've it You've never up. heard of it. You don't pay much attention to the, to the 100 Gex release schedule. That's pretty admirable. It is like, I think, eight months old, six months old at this point. You are you literally just brought it up. I, I, I don't know what you're on about. No, no. Uh, is there any hyper pop that you're fond of besides 100 Gex, of course? Um, no, I don't like any hyper pop music. Don't so, so you're an advocate of progressive pop, which is which is uh, what, what are the, the major elemental ways that progressive pop differs from hyper pop, would you say? Well, if you take a song like um, Cloud Busting by Kate Bush and then compare it to Stupid Horse by 100 Gex, you can tell there's like 
well first off the instrument it's all like organic the instruments like and it's just way more complex and it's got way more emotion so like i think that it's got more emotion you know like feel not just progressive pop more like art pop as well another genre of pop that's interesting um what would you say what would you say is the uh foremost progressive pop figure in in the modern what, like, progressive pop the lot so like the one that i'd say defines progressive pop right. probably suzumu hirasawa interesting so I, I take it you 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 get a lot of influence from this Mirasawa guy. Yeah. A bit. Uh, how does that come across in some of your albums, like Bowling Green Miscreants or the Snortif Experience or the like? Uh, it's difficult. Like, I he was like I guess like I started making a longer music when i started listening to him because i used to make like most of my songs were like two minutes long All right but then you got like my influence i i started listening to a another japanese composer called yazuaki shimizu he makes like minimalist music so i start making that in my melodies and then i you know i got idm influence you know like board of boards of canada apex twin Flying Lotus, and then I kind of put that into my drums. Intelligent dance music as opposed to electronic. Uh, yeah. Like the like the intelligent compositional elements of IDM, because IDM requires more thought than than simple EDM. Yeah. I would tend to agree. Most 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 IDM. Uh, there, there's a certain, uh, there's a song called uh, Shipwreck Glue by Kelpie, which I, I'm particularly fond of. Uh, I found it randomly. And it's pretty obscure, but it's a fantastic example of what can be done uh, with, with IDM as a genre. I think IDM is underrated. Here in Denver particularly, I hear EDM is pretty big, but I never hear much about IDM, which I think is a shame. Uh, because... Uh, yeah. A lot of IDM acts are, uh, have a lot of potential that, that's untapped because uh, all the commercially viable stuff is EDM, which I think is... Well, if you bad. listen to my music, if you listen to my music, you can hear a lot of Apex put in there. Like, Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of noticed that, that influence, a lot, of, a lot of chopping, a lot of splicing, definitely, a lot of... Uh, discordant segments that don't really sound uh, aligned together, uh, which is common w with Aphex Twin, especially in tracks like, like uh, Window Liquor, which is just a very disjointed track, yeah. but it feels uh, it feels coherent by the, by the fact that all the, all the sections are made up of kind of the same type synth, but... Oh. Go ahead. Yeah, I was planning on quitting music actually recently, but I think that there's a new era for Concord in the future. I think that's good. I'm gonna, 
make more albums i'm I'm gonna start make i'm gonna start making beats for people so well this is kind of self-advertisement but if anyone wants a beat it's 10 pound for a single 25 pound for an ep that's like six tacks long and like you're, 12, you're taking on a, a, a production role uh, that's very admirable yeah. because a lot of a lot of up-and-coming lyricists could use a good beat to go along with but don't know a, a favorable producer and i think you definitely have enough reputation uh, in the industry enough skin in the game so to speak uh that your beats should be trusted and uh you know relied well, upon 40, favorably 40 pound an album is a bargain in my opinion it's a bargain right i mean i i've i've uh i've had the honor of getting a lot of concord beats uh, for free and and collaborating on on two albums or three albums actually with with uh, you in addition to uh, the the remix you did of uh, rules for thee but not for me um but it it, it definitely yeah. is worth worth a, worth uh, some pounds um so what what i mean Eminem you know Eminem almost uh, ended his career too he was going to release an album called King Mathers where at the end he says you know i'm done with the rap game i'm hanging up my crown or along those lines, you know. Uh, but Eminem realized that the rap game kind of needed him, um, even though you know he, yeah. he'd, he'd sunk, he'd sunk his reputation so low with with uh, gar- absolute garbage like Encore uh, that that just completely uh, lost him public uh, favor in the eyes of like everyone, both his his longtime fans uh, and his uh, and his detractors who saw him as just this immature joke act. Uh, but I, I will say that uh, as of recent, Eminem has kind of regained uh, a bit of the clout that he had in the early 2000s. And he is one of the... Uh, he is he is definitely a figure worthy of respect. But there was a point where he felt as if he had uh, completely done everything that there was to do and there was nothing left. And he felt like giving up from the rap game. Uh, luckily, of course, he didn't. I think it's think it's uh, very important for figures, especially in a competitive market like hip-hop, to uh, stick to it and uh, follow their guns and not really give up just due to adversity or the like. Because, you know, it, it, is, uh, it is important that figures like Drake, who uh, really don't have anything going, are, are balanced out yeah. by the much more talented figures of the industry. Uh, I think, anyway. Pop seems to I be... Think... Yeah, go on. I think an album that heavily inspired um, the snurd of experience in particular was The Dreaming by um, by Kate Bush. Ah. Like, I heard that album. Dreaming by Kate Bush. Um, I'm not too yeah. familiar with Kate Bush. I, I do know that, that uh, prior to her being featured in the garbage show Stranger Things uh, as, as a kind of nostalgia exploitation... Uh, she was yeah. nonetheless widely revered by by singers and songwriters and the like, kind of a cult figure within the industry, uh, not a meme, as Stranger Things made her out to be, but but a respectable figure. Um, I was a fan. I was a fan before Stranger Things even like. That's true, and I, I'm sure a lot of people, especially in Britain, were because I mean Britain has very few uh, competent musicians, especially now that you know it's post like. British invasion, where all all Britain has had for a long time is just a lot of Brit pop and the like. Uh, 
Um, yeah. Like Oasis. Oasis is a real, a real, uh, just like goofy band uh, that that does not even remotely stack up to like Daft Punk out of France or or you know Kraftwerk out of Germany or or uh, you know Los Lobos out of Mexico. There's so much international stuff on the international circuit, and uh, Britain doesn't really have stuff that can compete with that. Definitely not. Noel Gallagher and his ego stroking. So, whenever yeah. whenever someone like Kate Bush comes along, you know, someone with actual like uh, cred, um, it, it is uh, it is worth pointing out uh, that that uh, I, I do think Kate Bush is a, is a pretty uh, pretty complex singer songwriter if you look into her stuff. But she she definitely had well enough respect prior to her uh, getting meme status from the garbage show Stranger Things. And she's not alone in being used and spit out by Stranger Things. Stranger Things will exploit any even remotely popular 1980s band uh, for nostalgia points. Uh, the, yeah. the Stranger Things soundtrack is just full of, like, really agreeable 1980s pop. Um, I pointed this out a while back, but it makes Jack... It, it makes no fucking sense that like these kids in rural indiana would be listening to kate bush in the in the 80s yeah uh, that doesn't that just doesn't make any sense like the only people who would be listening to kate bush uh would be like british kids you know because she's british or like um yeah. classy american party in like new york or something um you know obviously kids in indiana in the 1980s uh, wouldn't be listening to like adult contemporary soft pop you know that, that's not really a genre that that demographic was into at all and this wasn't like you know these days where you know any any 12 year old can just go on spotify and like you know find a new genre that they, they might be into you know this was back yeah. like before the internet where you, you you just liked a certain type music and more often than not like the type music that you'd like as a as a as a as a youngster in Indiana in the middle of nowhere would be like you know some freaking some Iron Maiden or whatever the shit, but it definitely wouldn't be Kate Bush. Uh, that's a pretty funny decision on the part of uh, the Stranger Things team. They don't really understand the the uh, the ways in which music uh, worked in the 1980s. They don't seem to. They seem to think that like. You know, uh, every every kid in like rural Indiana would have the same hipster tastes as the youth today do, where you like this really, uh, you know, out there, dream pop stuff. But uh, you know, obviously that's not the case. Yeah. It's a lot more like you know Beavis and Butthead, where they just like uh, just like you know hard hitting rock and shit, because that that's an that's the the American genre, and they wouldn't be into like world music, you know. Um. I I don't really like that um what's it called like that that bedroom pop. Uh bedroom pop you mean you mean a shoegaze dream, dream, beach house or, um yeah I think it's just like you know like it's it's just like you know it just completely falls flat. Much into shoegaze. I can't say I find much in shoegaze. I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't classify yeah. Kate Bush's shoegaze, obviously. The shoegaze took off more so in, like, the early 1990s. I don't know. There's just something odd about the kind of uh, 
rock approach it takes, but it's not fully dedicated to being cool, which is something that rock kind of needs. You know, the name Shoegaze is derived from uh, bands that would, like, look at their shoes while they were playing, uh, which kind of says it all. That is, a very apt, that is a very apt title for the genre because it really does just sound like stuff that uh, a bunch of bored, you know, opioid-laden, like, college students would play at like 2 a.m. and they don't care they're just looking down at their shoes like oh dang i hope we get paid for this might not i don't know i don't care they look at my shoes i think that's a pretty apt title thing said but i i don't think it's really fair to to assume that all bedroom pop is necessarily like that all all, all bedroom pop connotates is that you're recording from your home um, which, you know, obviously, like, some pretty epic tracks can be recorded in a bedroom, but uh, not if they're, you know, yeah. shoegaze, but obviously, like, I think bedroom pop is, is, a, is a bit of a different genre, if you look into it. Um, yeah. As far as I'm aware, shoegaze is a, is a, is a British invention, is that the case? I I think it's Swedish. I th I thought it I thought it was British. Certainly, some of the earliest shoegazers were British. I think it's like Irish, actually. Oh, it's Irish. It's an Irish invention. I'm googling it. Hold on. Oh yeah, late 1980s originated in the in Ireland and the UK. Huh. Well, it says Ireland and the UK, so. But, you know, like, Ireland is, like, kind of, like... One or not. Like, the Ireland is, like, you know, it's kind of synonymous with the UK, even if it isn't in the UK. Well, no, because the Republic of Ireland is real Ireland. It's it's a sovereign nation. Only Only the traitors in Northern Ireland are still aligned with the UK, in, in any sense of the word. That's why Ireland went through the Troubles, the, the Irish Civil War. Um, yeah, I'm planning, yeah, like, like Scotland like, is going to move out of the UK soon, right? Well, Scotland, oh, oh, I hope so. Have you heard that uh, Scotland might move out of the UK? Yeah. I've, I've, been, I've been hoping for that for some time. It would definitely be in Scotland's best interests uh, to get, get out of the UK and uh, become a sovereign nation. And it would definitely lead to a rejuvenation of the Scottish economy, Scottish culture, Scottish relevance internationally, uh, so on. That would actually be great for Scotland. That would be really fantastic for it. But I, I don't know if that's really a too likely a scenario. But I suppose if there's there's rumors that it uh, it might happen. Uh, I definitely think Scotland would benefit from going the same route as Ireland and breaking off. Yeah. What are some other contemporary popular genres that you're not too fond of? Um. Well, like, hyperpop is, like, the biggest one. Like, trap music, hyperpop. Um, a cloud rap. Is another one I don't like. All right, cloud rap is is uh, pretty different from trap and uh, and and, and other genres. Well, I don't know. I think yeah, I think cloud rap. 
connotates the the specific SoundCloud culture that 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 birthed it. It's not inherently trap. It some cloud rap songs are discernible from trap in a lot of ways. What do you think of Blade? A Blade. Blade. Yeah. What do you think of Blade? I think he's like one of the you know one of the worst rappers ever. I think there's a lot of cases of, especially today in the music industry, you have a lot of people who uh, claim to be big-time innovators and really shaking things up, you know, really changing the game, uh, so to speak. Uh, But they really don't, and they're really just bland and generic and sound like everything else. Uh, Grimes, for instance, is a particularly obnoxious example of that. Uh, Grimes sounds as generic as shit. Uh, her taste is generic. You know that. You know that. Is- Elon Musk. The reason he was into her was because she's really bland and generic. She's like the the. And young. She's like the cardboard cutout of, of this art art pop type singer. You know who who pretends to be really uh, eccentric and out there. Um, and so, like, you know, she sings... The reason Elon Musk was into her is because she mentions Rocco's Basilisk in one of her lyrics. And Elon, uh, being, you know, the pseudo-intellectual he is, figured, oh, wow, this is the gal for me because she knows about Rocco's Basilisk and that's some really obscure shit that nobody's ever heard of. It's, it's crazy obscure and niche. And uh, so that's why that's basically why he started up a, a full-time relationship with her, just based off that. She had like a, 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 a stupid thought experiment in her song. Like if you know, I was gonna say though, like yeah. artists like um, I don't know, like Charlie XCX, um, uh, Grimes, all them. They're, they're like you know they they think they're like. They, you know, they like they just look at artists like Bjork who are like way better singers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Think, oh, well, we can be we can be like her. It's like no. Yeah, that's that's true. I think Bjork kind of set a precedent in that when when Bjork first burst into the scene, uh, absolutely nothing sounded like Bjork. Bjork actually was uh, an iconoclast in many in many pivotal ways, and yet, you know, the reason that uh. Grimes, for instance, sees herself is is the same. Uh, it's just because the the music videos look similar and the like. But there really is none of the sound to carry that. It just sounds like imitation Bjork at the end of the day. Yeah, she thinks she's Bjork. Like, I don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. It's an interesting point. Um. What are your thoughts on, uh, like, for instance, in the 1980s, I think in the 1980s in particular, there were a lot of people who claimed to be doing something different with sound and actually were doing something different with sound. Like, for instance, uh, yeah, you know, Devo. Devo does not sound like any other band. Devo sounds extremely like... It doesn't sound like the, the more, like... I guess, so to speak, yeah. like normal rock of the time. It it definitely has its own thing going on. And I don't think that's the case a lot of times yeah. these days. You know, like, for instance, the new Little Yachty album. What are your thoughts on the new Little Yachty album, the one that's in? 
Oh, is that, is that the one with the AI album cover? Yeah, yeah, that one. What are your thoughts on that? I actually have heard of that. Like, I'm not really, like, big into the trap. Like, I never, like, care about trap albums. But then I heard about him, him putting, like, AIR on his album cover. And I was like, what Well, it's fuck? not a trap album. It, it's supposedly Psych Rock. Psych Rock. Psych Rock with a little bit of auto-tune on it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan nah. of any of these these newer type psych rock uh, groups like Tame Impala or, or Arctic Monkeys, so called psych rock, or uh, you know, there's a lot of them. But I feel like they they fail to really capture the, the psychedelic ethos, which I think is very important. Um, you know, like actually committing to 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 that sound. It's a very particular sound, and I don't think stuff like Animal Collective or Tame Impala really captures it. In particular, yeah, I guess Tame Impala's all right. I, I like um, but Animal Collective. Everyone Animal talks Collective about King really. Gizzard too. I, I I just listen to a King Gizzard song and I think you know this doesn't sound jack shit like like the like Jefferson Airplane or whatever they're trying to be. It doesn't really sound like like psychedelic. It just sounds like very. Um, and that might not be the case with Tame Impala, but King Gizzard in particular, I just noticed like it just sounds extremely contemporary, and like it falls into a very specific niche that's a uh, very yeah. you know like you go back to actual psychedelic shit, um, you know like Silver Apples with Contact. That album's crazy. There's some crazy shit on there, and it definitely doesn't sound like King Gizzard. But then again, that's more like electronic psychedelic. Um, I do have a message for Lil Yachty, like, you know, he's never, he's probably never going to be what, re listening in on the Q&A, yeah. like, I'd say to him, you know, like, first off, turn your auto-tune off and stop using AIR as an album cover, it's like, do you know how bad that is for artists? Uh, true, yeah. I, I, I do notice that, like, I, I don't think you can really... A lot of people have praised the the psych rock direction is like this is so bold, uh, and yet you know like it's not it's he can't even make his own album cover. I think that's kind of lame and kind of against yeah. the uh, supposed artistic break that that he claims. No. I feel like you know like I feel like. Though, like, if you're gonna use, like, is that some sort of vocal, vocal pitching effect, then it's way better than if you use, like, a talk box or a vocoder. Oh, yeah, that that's true. Like, like on a, a lot of Roger Troutman tracks, I, I would tend to agree with that. Like, if you listen to, like, some Stevie Wonder who uses, like, a talk box, or you, you listen to, like, uh, Imogen Heap who uses some vocoder on some tracks, it's like... It's, it sounds way better. More oh, absolutely. You ever hear any Roger Troutman? Any, any Zap? No. That's a fantastic example of the talk box being used effectively. In fact, well, well, Stevie Wonder definitely used it first. Roger Troutman really brought it into the mainstream and made it uh, insanely effective on, on so many hit songs. Like, I Can Make You Dance and... Uh, uh, there's a ton. I, I especially like uh, Zap 3. I think that's the best one. But generally, yeah, I think this little Yachty thing is more so a, a big pose, you know, because he wants to be seen as more than just this bland uh, rapper, this bland trap-type rapper. 
Everyone has reevaluated uh, Speeding Bullet to Heaven by Kid Cudi since that shit came out because it is actually a really great rock album with great songs on it. A confused is like uh, fantastic. It's a great rock song. When that does he use all tune on it though? Oh no, no. It's 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 a full on. It just sounds like Nirvana or something. It sounds like early '90s alternative rock he's not going for a, for a psych rock angle he's going for more like a like a like a grunge type angle um and obviously it's it's also good because the cover isn't ai generated it's just a picture of kid cuddy um yeah walking around in a in a field somewhere um which is a, i might give it a go then why well, i'd guess absolutely like recommend it, it. Yeah, people hated it when it came out. Like... People people were like, oh, this is... It wasn't that same trap auto-tune stuff he was doing before. Right, right. I, I'd argue it's actually some of Kid Cudi's best work. And Kid Cudi, obviously, is a much more respectable figure, both in rock and, and, and rap, than a little Yachty, obviously. I mean, Kid Cudi's like someone with actual integrity who actually gives a shit. But... Uh, yeah, Speeding Bullet to Heaven is a fantastic album, not only because of the, the really hard-hitting guitars, uh, the, the vocals are great. Some people might denounce them as being a bit edgy, but I think that's a kind of a prerequisite to grunge. Grunge has always been a kind of edgy genre with a lot of, like, you know, explicit stuff to it. Um, and, and the craziest bit is Kid Cudi got Mike Judge... Uh, to reprise his role as Beavis and Butthead on the album, they 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 show up a bit on the album, and it, and uh, I I don't think that's something Lil Yachty can claim, is that there there's a there's a Mike Judge feature uh, of Beavis and Butthead, which is uh, pretty epic and really conveys the vibes that Speeding Bullet to Heaven goes for. Hey, that's often the case is that people always say they want something new. In music, you know, people are like, oh, th this music all sounds the same. I want something new. But then when something new actually does come along, something that actually, like, challenges the, sta the status quo, uh, people will reject it because it's too new for them. It's too far outside their comfort zone. And that was the case uh, with Speeding Bullet to Heaven because it came out at, at a point in time, uh, it, it was before sound. You get DDoSed or something. <laughs> I can say anything I want on Nicholas's Q&A or something right now. Yeah, like, I, I got, like, beats. I'm selling them for, like, uh, uh, so you can get, like, a single, £10. Single for, like, £10. You know, contact me, contact me on Bandcamp, I, I sell beats for like £10 for one single, uh, £25 for an EP, you can get up to like six tracks on that, and then I, I sell up to 12 tracks for like an album, so like... That, my uh, computer crashed, my computer really is garbo, my computer is trash. Uh, Conqueror says he has to, he has to go. That's fine. Fascinating discussion, and I highly recommend Speeding Bullet to Heaven, by the way. Uh, little, inter little intermission there, because my crashing non-stop as of late, I'm not sure 
what it is exactly. My computer is uh, becoming a pile of trash, and I don't know what to do uh, to fix that. I don't think there is anything you can do to fix it. Computers in general are such complex machines that if they happen to fail on you for whatever reason, damned if you know how to, how to fix that, because they really are just uh, extremely complicated by default, it seems, oftentimes. There we go. For whatever reason, it, it, it just goes to a black screen, and then it changes the aspect ratio uh, from 1280 by 1024 pixels to, like, 1024 by 768 pixels or something. It's really fucking annoying. And I have no idea what's causing it, but uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, oh, uh, Concour says he agrees with the, uh, Nick's Cada album, uh, tier list that was posted here on the server a while back. For those of you wondering, uh, Bowling Green Miscreants and Dial-Up Delirium are in the S tier, uh, Nicola, uh, Rules for Thee But Not For Me, Did You Eat Your Vegetables, and Snurt of Experience are in the A tier. Uh, Colvana, Smells Like Teen Stupid, and The Moron Medicine Soundtrack are in the B tier. Uh, Reashing Every Late 90s Alt-Rock Trope Under the Sun and Epileptic Collectible are in the C tier, and Smooth Millennium Cracker is in the E tier. A little unfair to Smooth Millennium Cracker. I found this meme uh, on a forum, and it was pretty funny, so I reposted it here. But I guess this is someone's take on the ranking of all the different uh, Nick Cicada albums. They put Bowling Green Miscreants in S tier. As I've said time and again, I'm not too familiar with the, with the tier list ranking. I think it's stupid to put S uh, above A. Uh, that doesn't make any actual sense, but I guess it's a Japanese thing. And Japanese things in general uh, seldom do make sense to the un unaccustomed uh, American. So... You know, maybe it maybe it's a Japanese thing, but uh, whoever made this tier list put Bowling Green Miscreants in the A tier. Conqueror says, I agree with the list because my albums are high up. Referring, of course, to Bowling Green Miscreants and Snurdiff and uh, Did You Eat Your Vegetables, which Conqueror technically only produced, um, is in the A, A, A tier also. Uh, and yeah, I'd say Conqueror's production skills are pretty great. Uh, he really does have a handle on what the current sound is and what the the current uh, the current sound ought to be. So definitely check Concour out, and if you want to pay him ten pounds uh, for a beat or forty for an album or whatever uh, whatever he agrees to, uh, then check that out. Little plug there. Definitely give give Concour's uh, production a try. You know, a lot of uh, producers are very underrated in the hip-hop game, but really, where would hip-hop be without some, some competent-type producers? Um, but yeah, anywho, uh, we're about halfway through the Nicholas Comics Q&A here. Those are, that was a fantastic, really interesting insight. I didn't know that Concord defined his music as progressive pop. Uh, that is pretty interesting. Uh, I, I'd never heard of progressive pop before, but I guess, yeah, I mean, there's prog rock, there would be prog pop. That does kind of make uh, some sense in a lot of ways. 
I, I agree with Concord that both Hyperpop and Shoegaze have kind of run their course and gotten a bit stale as genres, a bit repetitive, so to speak. I really can't tell any Shoegaze songs apart. Not that they're inherently abrasive or anything, but they certainly don't stand out, and I really don't know if if they're capable of standing out just by design. I don't, I don't know if Shoegaze uh, is really, like, able to... Uh, stand out because you know by by default it's it's really like dreamy and swirly and just kind of feels like you're taking a big nap which isn't exactly the type shit that goes yeah this you know this is some exciting legend shit here this really uh you know screams to you pay attention to me shoegaze kind of does the opposite and that's uh that's kind of by design on the wikipedia page for shoegaze here you have a photo of a, a shoegaze musician uh, that says, uh, Shoegaze's name is in reference to how many guitarists in the genre stare downwards at their pedals. I don't know if that's the case, because if that was the case, it'd be called pedal, pedal gaze, not, not shoegaze. I mean, I think I've heard that term before, pedal gaze. And some people call it pedal gaze. I'm sure some people do. Uh, oh yeah, it, it's used, not really, I mean, going here on, on Google, it's not really used, but some, some people do, I guess, here and there, occasionally, but for the most part, it's called shoe gaze. I think it's that they gaze at their shoes, they get a lot of insight uh, from their shoes, I suppose. My new video, The Absolute State of Modern Creepypasta, which is a riff on the popular anti-piracy idea that's been making the rounds as of late. It's a bit of a spoof, a bit of a send-up of that. Currently has 151 views. Uh, I guess Creepypasta is still in vogue because my video has somehow uh, got, got hooked in the algorithm and is now pretty gosh dang uh, popular which is weird. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, I, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's gotten pretty big. 151 in the first day is pretty high for one of my videos. So that's pretty epic. Uh, the video concerns the, the, the misadventures of two gaming pals. They game it up. Uh, they have a gaming sesh where they game it out. So maybe this, this video is popular amongst the gaming crowd. Uh, that's a pretty popular demographic these days, so I guess maybe it appeals to them on some sort of psychological level, of course. Speaking of which, uh, let me make myself clear. I think the anti-piracy shit is really boring. For those not in the loop to the current trends of the Internet, the basic idea is that someone will make a scary anti-piracy screen of Zelda or Mario or whatever, and this is supposed to be scary, like, you know, Nintendo programs in a, a screen warning against piracy in their games, when obviously this is what Nintendo would do, uh, because they're, uh, you know, a, a greedy conglomerate, and of course they don't want piracy going on, so they're like, don't pirate the game, you know. But uh, apparently, you know, some people have made fake anti-piracy screens where it's like Mario b biting someone's head off 
like Mario, you know, uh, staring creepily into the camera, and it's like, don't pirate Mario, or Mario will fuck you up. I just think this is such a stupid idea, and uh, really a fall from grace from the pinnacle of creepy pastas. I mean, there was always, you know, Sonic.exe and stuff, but creepypastas have definitely gone a long way from a Ted the Caver. Uh, so, to, to put it lightly, I mean, Ted the Caver is way better than whatever this anti-piracy shit is these days. There are some pretty crazy ones. People really go uh, to a lot of lengths uh, to make creepy fake video game footage. And obviously this never works because video games by design are a proprietary technology that are designed to make a, a lot of money uh, for a few giant companies, and this was even more so the case in the 80s and 90s, when a lot of these video game urban legends take place. Uh, for instance, you know, the only video game companies in the 80s and 90s were Atari, Nintendo, you know, Sega comes in in the 90s, and that's about it. So there wasn't much competition, but for whatever reason, a lot of these fake gaming urban legends always mention some game that wasn't made by any of them and was made by like an indie startup and the thing you have to understand is back in the day indie startups were not a thing in the video game industry because um, it was not possible to make a video game from scratch on your own a little a little you know indie project that didn't really come around until the 2000s and 2010s when when products like unity became readily available or, you know, uh, the Steam Shop or whatever. Um, early developers of video games were treated like shit by giant companies that could just abuse and milk them. Guitar or Nintendo, they were never even properly credited. And uh, overall, the early video gaming industry was just a big monopolistic shit show where everyone was just able to exploit each other and fuck around with each other. And, uh... In many ways, that's still the case with the gaming industry these days. It is one of the least well-regulated, most exploitative uh, industries uh, possible. Like, for instance, if you heard that Stephen King uh, was, you know, keeping, keeping a, a minimum wage worker that he beat down in the closet, uh, would, would you still enjoy the Stephen King books? You know? And obviously Stephen King wouldn't do that because he's a novelist, so he's not a lazy piece of shit. He's not a video game publisher who just sits around and abuses his employees and exploits their work. Because he does all the work. Because, you know, that's how writing a novel works. You have to do actual labor. You can't just be a lazy piece of shit all day. Um, unless you use, like, a ghostwriter or something. But that's definitely not the case with most novelists. Um... Whereas in the video gaming industry, the constant, consistent abuse of employees is just like a regular thing that has been kind of internalized in the video game industry to the point where it really is just a clown industry that only a fool would join. Because, like, why the fuck would you work for a video game company? They'll just, like, fuck you up and ruin your future job prospects. Yeah, try try getting a real job after saying you worked at 
freaking valve or whatever. Good luck with that. They'll really take you seriously uh, as the pro gamer you are. You know, that's that's not the type of career I'd be proud about bragging about. And uh, it's definitely not the type of career that treats anyone fairly. It, it, it's an insanely exploitative industry where these developers are just sent on crunch times and crunch and crunch and they have to crunch it out and they have to crunch crunch a bunch, you know. And that's not a that's not a favorable industry. That's like a really shit show of an industry, like comparable to the fucking a fucking car factory or something. You're going to be treated like dirt under under those conditions. And gaming in general is just ridiculously exploitative, anti-union. Uh, you know, it's it's just like an ass industry that you'd have to be really like stupid to to support. Uh, it's full of just fuel chugging neckbeards you know the big question obviously that a lot of people tend to ask is you know why is why is uh gaming so exploitative why is it so male focused why aren't there any black or you know a characters or whatever in my favorite video games the reason for that is that by design from the beginning video games have been a field designed for white guys and propped up you know supported bought by white guys and like you know they they've they've basically made it such that the the ceos and controllers and owners of all these giant limited video game monopolies these giant ass companies like activision blizzard or whatever are just going to be white guys so really like I don't think the solution to gaming being a white male cringe industry is to try to diversify it. The solution is to say, fuck gaming, let's write some poetry, because that's a more elo eloquent and interesting way of expressing yourself than making a fucking video game, and the only people who actually enjoy video games are brain-dead neckbeards, you know? feel like if a gay guy it doesn't feel he's adequately represented in the gaming industry, you know, maybe look into, like, the book industry. Write a memoir about your gay experience, and it'll be way better than a, a, a freaking Mario clone where, like, the it's a supposedly gay game, but the only difference is that the blocks that Mario jumps on are rainbow color. You know, that's not exactly a profound artistic statement or anything video games in general are not profound artistic statements they're kind of just ass they're kind of just time filler for a bunch of middle class white guys it's not exactly you know the most like that that's the reason why video games are so like heteronormative and 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 lack diversity because they were invented from the beginning uh, by white guys, and by design, they are an inaccessible form of expression. Because to be an act, to to design a game, you have to be a nerd, right? And uh, we, if every video game is made by a nerd who has to have this insanely detailed technological understanding of how code works and everything, um, you're going to end up with a homogenous loop body of just really boring perspectives that are all nerds. And it'd be the same with any other demographic or any other medium. 
Like for instance, if all paintings uh, were made by, say, cowboys, uh, paintings would be a lot less interesting. The only reason paintings are interesting is because there's a wide variety of different types of paintings made by a wide variety of social classes and, and people with ideas and, you know, different, different backgrounds um, because it's an accessible form of art. It's not hard to pick up a paintbrush and paint. And you can be a poor guy and go to the art store and buy a paint set for 25 bucks. Heck, you can go to the drugstore and buy a watercolor set for like 10 bucks. And if you're really talented and a really good painter, it doesn't matter that the paint's cheap or whatever. Hey, Nicholas. Ah, Dingo's on. Any questions? Sir? Hey there. Actually, I'm curious. I've been, uh, do you know the Dead Space series? Yes, yes, I'm familiar with it. Have you played any of them? No, I don't. I don't play video games, but I'm aware of Dead Space and and what it's about. It, it's it's a it's an alien type game. Right? Yeah, it's it's a brilliant series. I'm gonna be real, and even sci-fi horror, even more, even more longer than like oh, it's like scary and you're shooting aliens. The story in there is truly incredible. Like it's like about how about like the triumph of humanity. Seriously, some cool stuff in that. Uh, have you got like a console or something? Absolutely not. I don't play any video games. Actually, I I, I did play a one one game of Pac-Man Plus back in I, I believe around 2018. But aside from that, I've never played a video game in my life. That was at a an arcade. Wow. Uh, West Colfax, which has since shut down. I I mainly went there for pinball. They offered like a free deal where you could like just pay. $15 at the door and unlimited games. They had like a bunch of, uh, you know, the classics, Donkey Kong, Tempest, everything. But they had a, 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 a yeah. lot of pinball machines too, which were set to free. And uh, closed now. But I, I happened to play one game of Pac-Man Plus, which is a lot like normal Pac-Man, except instead of just getting one life, you get two lives. And back when Pac-Man Plus came out, this was considered a, a groundbreaking achievement. So they made an entirely separate game. Instead of just adding a, a bonus life feature to Pac-Man, the original, they said, this is Pac-Man Plus now. There, there's two Pac-Men, and you get to play as both of them. So I played, like, one game of Pac-Man Plus, and uh, then I got bored, because I, I find video games really boring, and I think they're the lowest form of art. I've said that quite a bit. Ah. But, uh, yeah, aside from uh, Pac-Man Plus... I, I think the highest form of art. I think I, we actually have a disagreement there, but that's interesting. That's inter that is um, interesting because I think I think the assumption that video games are the highest form of art stems from the faulty assumption that history is a linear progression where where progress is oh, well, consistently yeah, made. Were, it's the highest. Um, it's the highest part of art right now. By if that there's logic, like, some, like, like in the future, like you know, like art music form. is inherently better than books. And 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 then like TV is better than music. Was the lowest art form now. Like by that lot, you know, because books came around first, the printing press came around first, and then the phonograph came around after that, and then uh, uh, film was invented after the phonograph, obviously, and then TV was invented after film. So by that logic, TV is a superior medium to film, which really I I oh. don't think I don't think. It depends. Do you think General... TV and film are different mediums? Yes, I would argue that. I, I'd argue that in recent years, the line between the mediums has been blurred quite a bit. 
but I think, in general, if either medium is to survive, uh, they require distinction. And, and it, yes, TV and film use fundamentally different technology and have since their respective yeah. inceptions, obviously. TV utilizes waves, which back in the 50s in the Atomic Age was considered a, 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 an incredibly you know, futuristic thing. Uh, film, on the other hand, uses film, uh, obviously. So the assumption that video games are the greatest form of art is 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 based on the faulty assumption that every medium, every new medium that's conceived is like an evolution, like the drawing of, you know, the, the fish turning into the caveman, turning into the modern person, um, and like a progression where like every installment is better than the last one, and every new medium of art, new medium of human expression that's created is by default better than the last one which i think is um a goofy oh, way of looking i don't at subscribe to that reasoning now like i don't subscribe to if that that reasoning. was the case you know no. every every president would be like exponentially better than the last one uh, which isn't the case history is not a story of of constant unceasing upwards progress you know there, there's setbacks there's there's recessions there's there's dark ages yeah that's not my reason and the like so we should be good right um as i see it video games are uh, are like board games like monopoly uh and the most the best video games like mario or pac-man don't really uh fuck around they're not pretentious they're not like this is a movie or just like, you know, Cubert's hopping around on the blocks. Cubert just fucks around for a bit. Pac-Man eats his dots. You know, it, it it's to achieve stuff in a game-centric environment with game theory and the like that can't be achieved by a board game. You can't have a Pac-Man board game because to play Pac-Man, you need a computer to move Pac-Man and the ghosts around. You've got to have that element of computer interaction. But I don't think video games are capable of telling like a, a a deep story that's actually impactful. I think at the most, video games are a fun little form of entertainment that can kill a couple hours. Um, I don't think they're capable of of actual impactful storytelling because at the end of the day, while they might put on a, a big coat of paint and be like, "I'm Kentucky Route Zero. I'm deep, bruh." It really is just Mario all over again, and it's just a bunch of polygon people doing stupid shit for, like, six hours straight, and uh, it's insufferable. Video games these days are way too pretentious, and the only ones that are worthy of respect are, like, Mario or Pac-Man, because they don't fuck around and they don't pretend to be, you know, Oscar material, uh, because I don't think any video game is capable of that. Uh, you said earlier that... that uh, Dead Space. You're talking about the new Dead Space remake that came out. Um, no, just the series in general. I mean, the I've series been playing in remake general. And finished it. Why? Why? Why is it interesting that the series is about the triumph of humankind over like the 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 darkness of the universe or whatever? Um, because it's out of the ordinary for these type of games. Like, so for instance, normally it's about the a, a lot of games really like. A lot of horror games specifically take this dim sort of approach to to Earth and its people, but 
Dead Space is kind of about how humanity sort of stumbles over itself. But at the at the end of the day, there's always some sort of big victory or some big push that keeps us going. Like, for instance, we, we, we go all the way back and we look at um, World War II, um, which f- for many people, for some people, World War II seemed like the end of the world. Yeah. For other people, it was a video game. I, I don't know if it, if it was a video game for anyone. Some people might not have... For some people, it was some people might a not book have... or a newspaper. But I think... Some people might not I think have... that you'll find... ...is invested in it, but I don't think anyone really treated world events back then with the kind of, like attachment mm-hmm. we do in the yes. internet age I, I really don't think yeah. they did i think in general world war ii is is taken pretty seriously by the entirety of the american people because uh, and and just the world in general because the entirety of the world had pretty massive stake in what went on with it. So, yeah like very I, I i agree that the most of the american public does take world war ii very very seriously just like many gamers <laughs> go up to you very seriously interesting <laughs> Uh, if we take Dead Space as, as sci-fi horror, which isn't to say it's it's a ripoff of Alien per se, but it certainly belongs to the same genre. The reason Alien yes, yes. is an effective film is because it's it's not hopeful. It, it's extremely bleak and nihilistic, and it's about the the coldness of the alien and the just like the mercilessness of it, and how it doesn't give a shit about people. It doesn't care. It just wants to kill us. And it's an extremely claustrophobic film, no. But it, it's it's definitely not hopeful, and it's it's not yes. really about like the the conquering of the universe by humanity. In fact, it takes an extremely pessimistic mm-hmm. approach, whereby the Whale and Butani Corporation is presented as this like mm-hmm. pure omnipotent yeah. force who, who works in the shadows and in the evil in the background. Actually, I have something of a counter to that. All right. I think that you'll find, um, you said that you've never played a video game before, but yeah. so I'll briefly give some context. Right. If you've played games like The Last of Us, which are sort of these zombie exploration stories, right. you see sort of as this virus spreads and as you ha- try to take down these zombies in combat, you yeah. see it's almost like waves of combat. Right. Now, in this way, in this way, it's almost similar to like, historical events like the Battle of Berlin, where the Soviets came in, they were after the Germans, this battle ensued. It's almost just like the stuff we see in video games. And in this, I think... Uh... Well, see, I, th- I think the argument I'd, you can, I'd you can see that. You can see that... So you can see that... You can say that video games are not high art, but the truest, highest form of art is life itself. Yeah, and video games are just like real life. The problem with video games is that... They're not like real life in that if you choose not to play, you know, if you put down the controller, if for, for any reason you don't keep killing the zombies in The Last of Us, the story does not progress. Whereas if you just watch a movie, if you just sit down and watch a movie, the movie will just keep playing and stuff will keep happening. And life keeps happening. Uh, whether or not, whatever the Soviets did, something would have been happen something would eventually result from that it wouldn't just enter a pause screen and loading animation and the characters just stand there uh, video games are extremely easy 
it's extremely easy to break the illusion that you're actually engaging with anything real with them because they're made out of polygons and they look extremely fake and there's not real people in them. And they don't progress if you don't directly interact with them, which is not how the real world, or a movie for that matter is. In that regard, movies are more similar to real life because movies will play if you just don't do anything. You don't have to interact with the movie. A movie will just go on. And in the same regard, the world just goes on. No matter what you do, the world keeps existing. Whereas the the fake reality that video games present will just stop doing anything if you don't uh, interact with it directly, which is not how real life is. That's why a lot of gamers are deluded into believing... Actually, I have a counter to that. I have something of a counter to that. Um, So I I think think, um, my argument for why video games are truly the highest form of art... Um, so, for instance, in a game, in a movie, they cannot change from beginning to end, whereas in a game, there are almost an infinite number of possibilities. Well, see, that's why movies... A mathematical... Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, right. sorry, sorry. Sure. Sorry, excuse me, sir. So, in a video game, you will have maximized the number of mathematical possibilities. And owing to the many worlds theory in quantum mechanics, they then become almost this godlike form of art where truly they are maximizing the world's experience as it is today. So think about the quantum sort of state of where we are. Think about sort of day to day, the sort of machinations of how we progress as humans. And think about, for example, um, think about a world maybe where you went to college. Uh, okay. So I think you'll... <laughs> so if, if your life was a video game, you would be much more successful now. Uh, well, I mean, by by your argument, life is like a video game in that there's, you know, quantum infinite possibilities. I think not only is the quantum theory untestable, you know, it, it's an unfalsifiable theory. We don't know if it's true, and I think all too often it's just accepted as fact. We don't know if there are other universes out there where these other possibilities play out. It's a fun theory. It's fun to consider. We don't know if it's true because there's no way to prove that it's true because we, we can't see these other universes we don't have any way of accessing them but my argument would be that uh, yes in real life you have a limitless amount of possibilities capabilities you can pretty much do anything Uh, that's not the case in a video game because video games like any other form of art are programmed by people they have storylines that are supposed to happen and things that are going to happen and you can't program a video game with infinite possibilities because that's not possible given the limitations of computing and storage and memory. So even if you play an extremely expansive game like Red Dead Redemption 2 or whatever, I actually have a question about your day, position. There's an end that's been written in. I actually have a quick All right, question. sure. Do you mind? Go for it. So you said that you've never played a video game. Before. I never have. Laura, you've only... Uh, yeah, Pac-Man Plus what? in uh, like 2018. You've only played Pac-Man Plus. Yeah. What about the game of life? Uh, are you referring to the the board game or the or the computer simulation? Uh, the computer simulation where you like click on some like bacteria and they reproduce spontaneously or whatnot. You can interpret my answer however you'd like, but the question remains. Well, I mean, I I guess there's a lot of things that are referred to as the game of life. Uh, If you mean that I engage with life 
as an interactive experience and try to, uh, you know, maximize my existence, then, uh, yeah. You spoke earlier about a game, and a game doesn't continue if you stand still and don't touch the controller. But isn't that exactly what, like, isn't, like, I know you like touching your controller, but isn't that exactly what you do? You just stay still in life, no? Uh, no, I, I go out into the world and, and walk around Denver a lot. No, stay still as in not progressing, not changing your surroundings. Well, I mean, how how much would you say that a person should I believe, philosophically, you owe it to yourself. You are morally obligated to make your life the best video game slash movie. Yeah, possible. right now I'm I'm living pretty much my ideal life. I've uh, I've booked right a lot now, of live shows. Right now you're sitting shows. at a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, sir. None of my films are on Rotten Tomatoes to the best of my knowledge. I'm basically the protagonist of my own life. Yeah, and I've spoken to many movie critics nice before, delusional and they've given me and, and a lot no, of gamers they... hold that. A lot of gamers believe that they are the main character because that's the illusion video Sir, games. Sir, not many people can say that they hold a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm one of those people who's speaking to you now today. So, sir, any statement you'd like to make in accordance with that? What would you define as the ideal life? If, if if the point of life is to enjoy it to its maximum potential and, you know, it, do whatever makes I, you I have kind happy. Of so what I'm doing is I'm trying to get the plot. The... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get the sorry. I'm trying to get the platinum trophy for the game of life on PlayStation Live. Right. And I'm getting there closer every day and say what you will, but. I'm gonna get closer than you ever will. Sir. Okay. Well, if you if you define it as is monetary success, if you define it as uh, you define it as, I guess like success with relationships, uh, whatever you perceive success as, I think the the actual limitless potential of life is pretty much like. That's the reason that it's so difficult to point out what what is a successful life for for everyone. There is no one answer to that, because what some people define as success, some other people would define as uh, mediocre. What some people define as mediocre, other people would see as success. Life really is an infinite experience of infinite possibilities. Okay, so what do you like to do? Uh, I enjoy selling comics through the mail, and as of late, I've selling I've enjoyed uh, playing music uh, live uh, locally. Playing music, so yeah, I've understand. I've seen some of your work, but I'm curious: are any of these comics pornographic in nature? Uh, no, they're not. They're they're for the most part postmodern works. I guess I describe them as some of them are science fiction, some of them are horror. Uh, as a rule, I, I don't draw uh, pornographic comics because I, I see that as kind of exploitative, and I'm just kind of appealing to you know horny people. And I I know that if I I know you have rules, sir. I know you have right. rules. But how much money would it take? I know everyone has a price. So what's yours? Just in general, I, I only make comics that I find emotionally fulfilling. What's your price, though? How much would I have to pay you? Uh, 
Nothing. I, I don't waste my time on comics. I'm not interested. In Nothing. Oh, you do it for free. Oh, that's great. Okay. No, I wouldn't do so, it for free. I, I wouldn't do no, it. No, you, no, you said, you said, no, I said, how much do I have to pay? You said nothing. Okay. I'm going so to do it. You no, do it for free then. I won't do it for any price because that would be a violation of my principles. And as, as a participant in the game of life, as you put it, I, I, I have my own rule book. So first off, what I'm kind of thinking about is maybe... Have you ever seen Regular Show? Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Do you Marg Margaret from Regular Show? I've never actually seen an entire episode so of Regular Show, but I have seen some. If you send me your PayPal, I, I can basically send you over, let's say, 40 bucks. I don't have and a PayPal. The details I, of I, the only accept, are gonna I only be, accept cash are gonna be through pretty the mail. Detailed. I don't have a PayPal. So what you're going to I've find never seen Regular Show, so I can't It's going to be pretty anything. detailed, which is why I'm I also don't so draw characters that, that aren't mine, really. I mean, I do sometimes if they're interesting enough, but in general... I, I definitely wouldn't draw anyone from regular show. Regular show's ass. I've seen a couple clips of it, and it just looks like the worst thing. Like, I can see why some people like Adventure Time, but, but regular show is on another level of awful. Um, going back to your point about like video games, video games are, are, are limited. They're an inherently limited medium because they have a set number of, of finite endings. There aren't infinite possibilities to a video game. There aren't infinite endings programmed into GTA V or Red Dead 2. There are endings that are written in by the people who make them because video games can only present the illusion of infinity. Well, here, I know we've been talking about high forms of art this entire time. I'm something of an artist All myself. Right. And so I wanted to see if me and you could sort of create a high form of art here. So I'm, we're going to do a collab now. We're going to do a little bit of duet. Well, I mean, every, so I'm gonna start every off. time you come on the Q&A, it's, it's a high form of art because you're, you're very interesting in your rhetoric. But I'm going to start out. Imagine this. There's no people. Yes. Next line is... Imagine there's no heaven. Oh, I, I thought it was imagine there's no uh, people, it's easy if you try. Or imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. Okay, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. We'll go from the beginning. Um, you said the first I song. don't know the lyrics to Imagine because I don't listen to any, any Beatles songs, really. I think... Okay, just look up the lyrics on your computer. We're going to have a go, okay? All right, sure. If, if, uh, if, it, uh, if it strikes you, sure. Okay. Okay, let's go. Uh, you start out first, by the way. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. A hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people. Living for today. Ah, ah. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion to. Imagine all the people. Living life in peace. That was great. That was great. Truly a testament to humanity. Yeah. 
I think we've created you something couldn't, unique. You couldn't do that in Red Dead Redemption 2. No, actually, you could do that in Red Dead Redemption. You could use the controller as a microphone. Ah. It's actually there's a part in the game where you get up on a karaoke stand and you can do comedy and stuff. It's yeah, great. That, that's fun. Um, I I have a new. You ever hear that song uh, by Falling in Reverse? Game over by Ronnie Radke. Uh, it's legit cringe. Yeah, I I have a new album coming out soon, which is kind of a response to that whole whole idea that life is like a video game because I think that's a delusional mindset. It's like if I really like like talkies or something, and I was like, life revolves around talkies. It's a really fun delusion to hold if you're a fan of talkies, but to anyone who doesn't like talkies, it gets really grating after a bit. And I don't think life is like a video game. I, I do very much think that life is, is something of infinite possibility, and there you can really do anything with life. But I don't think that's the case with video games. I think video games are very much a finite medium. So I think you'll find similar to, like, for example, I don't know if you heard the World Economic Forum talking about how um, in the future, like, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And I think that's something I believe in 100%. That, that's communism. Renting is the future. That's communism. Where you don't own anything, but you just kind of have it as... A, yeah, it's communism. Yeah, the, wor yeah, the is World communism. Economic Forum said that. I guess it makes sense. I mean, if the world is headed towards communism, I can't say I really care because capitalism certainly hasn't given me insane gains or anything. So it's not as if I, I'd care if tomorrow, you know, America went socialist or communist or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I just I think the idea, like, for instance, um, we see these. So I think when we imagine people like Klaus Schwab, we see almost these like David Goliath figures who are like a man against the world, almost like Stalin, um, who stood on account of his ideals and fought. And I think that's something I can respect about individuals like Klaus Schwab. The Great Reset probably is going to be the greatest thing that's happened to humanity since the invention of video games. So, so you admire figures in history who, who achieve a lot and do a lot for their society, respectively. Yeah, well, I'm like, I, I think, I think you're like a communist. I just think you don't understand it yet. You're sort how, of like how a so? I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm kind of uh, apathetic to whatever economic system America uses. I, I don't hate capitalism because I'm not suffering under it. I'm, I'm sure if I was say, you know, out on the street and, like, starving and whatever, I'd be much more pro-communism. But I can't say I really care. Okay, I don't really give a shit. I think we'd have a lot more communists if there was... Sort of how you have these paintings that encapsulate four generations. If we had a great communist video game that would truly oh, that sum up that all the... That, that won't exist because I've said... Into developing said, the true communist ideal. This like, for instance, on. if there was a Call of Duty game where you played as this Soviet soldier who was just trying to make some right. bread... I, I was discussing really this before you popped on, the but world. the difference between video games and other forms of art is that 
people who are inspired by video games can't make video games. Like, if you're inspired by GTA V, if you play through GTA V and you're like, this is a really great game, I'd like to make something like this. You can't because you don't have the resources that Rockstar has, and you're, you don't have the capability because it, it's hard to make a video game. They, they are by I'm actually design. a de- video game developer yeah, myself. You, you might be, but you, I'm you couldn't with make, that on, you on couldn't account make of, GTA so I'm fr- no, 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 no. Like, I'm creating... I want to tell you I'm creating and truly okay. give your opinion on it. It's sort of this multi-generational JoJo's Bizarre Adventure almost exploration into sexuality right. in the modern right. world. It wouldn't. It wouldn't look like GTA Five because how GTA Five looks, the the quality of GTA Five is determined by the amount of extremely expensive patented no, assets. Like, I want to describe this because truly, I think I'm really proud to say that I'm going to be developing the first communist porn game. Well, if you like, think ever. so. I'd, My argument I think, would be that I think originality is very important. No, 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 sir, sir, excuse me. I need time to explain to you my idea. Because right. I think the even after this, you might, you might get a pre-order down well, yourself. I wouldn't because I'm asexual yeah. and I don't so, have a sex drive, but uh, whatever, go on. Asexual I'm what? asexual, which means that I lack a sex drive, so I'm not interested in pornographic content. I think even even if you're not interested in it for that aspect, I think Maybe the it's story the of it is so compelling. Like game. I was, it's high art. Like right. truly, it is Let high me... art. And while I was developing it, like for example, the the protagonist of the name the, of the game is actually named after Klaus Schwab. Uh, his name is Klaus Schwab, okay. and the game is sort of about the development of society right. around these rituals that humans engage in, and it, it's almost this Lynchian. Um, Hegelian dialectical analysis. This would be my argument, right? If you read a really great novel, if you read, if you read, you know, if you, right, a Nietzschean communist work that analyzes the modern human condition. So, and I think, yeah, Dostoevsky, any of these guys, those guys help me develop it. So, like, I have this. Let let me explain this. Novels, no, for like, because I, I dreamed like. They commanded me to make this. Sure, well, whatever. Novels are an accessible form of art. They are easy for the public to access. Uh, The same goes for paintings. My game has a tutorial. I don't mean my game has a tutorial. As a consumer player, I mean as a a creator. No, the game. The game. It's made with RPG Maker. I I don't mean as a player. I don't mean as a consumer. I mean as a producer. Novels are easy to create because a word processor is free or close to free. It costs a little bit of, of yeah, electricity. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually interested about video more game of your software like the type used by Rockstar to create extremely intricate cool games like GTA V is not free oh, and oh, is by design oh, I got a call inaccessible in, to the public. Sorry, dude, I got a I got a call coming. I do gotta dip out now, man. All right, serious sure. call. Listen, I really appreciate the like talk, your new man. video this about uh, Destiny versus Yeah, yeah my next video is going to be on porn. Whatever so you we'll say. See you later, oh, man. Bye bye. Has in the works a while. Uh, since Dingo isn't willing to listen, I'll explain this here for the fellows at home. Um, by design, video games are an inaccessible technology. The technology that Rockstar Games uses 
to create GTA 5 or Red Dead Redemption is not readily available to the public and is not readily understood by the public. Uh, the public cannot create, on average, a video game as complex as GTA 5. And uh, novels, on the other hand, are a really accessible form of art, of expression. Anyone can write a poem, you know, it's not hard to write a poem, even if it's not a very good poem. Or if it is a good poem, it doesn't cost you anything to write a poem. It costs you the cost of a fucking pencil, but, you know, it's not hard. It's not designed to be inaccessible, which is what video games are. Video games are designed for the bourgeois, so if you're a communist, or a self-proclaimed communist, or whatnot, uh, video games are the last medium you should be looking into, because they are, by design, uh, a, a, an industry just run by the bourgeois, to put it in Marxist terms. I'm not a communist, I just think video games suck ass, but, uh, you know, if you're a communist and you're saying you're into video games, that's really goofy. Um, the big case that comes to mind, of course, is Disco Elysium. Um, Disco Elysium being the, the well-known game that came out, and it's basically like, you know, a game about a, a communist country... It's about, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm a detective in this communist country that's basically just kind of a, uh, a stand-in for the Soviet Union. You know, it's called, uh, frickin', what's it called, frickin', uh, it's called, what, what is this stupid, uh, fake country called? It's, it's called, uh, I've already forgotten because it's so forgettable, um, Oh yeah, Martinez or whatever. Anyway, so th this this uh, this country is basically a stand-in for the Soviet Union. It's like this country where you know the the whole game revolves around oh uh, unions and and management versus you know the the there's, there's a bunch of communist stuff in it, a bunch of economic theory, a bunch of political theory. Uh, Disco Elysium was made by uh, it was made by Zaum uh, Collective, which claimed to be the, this co-op of, you know, fair, fair and balanced, you know, uh, working together communists or socialists or whatever they say they are, you know. Oh, we care about the little guy. Uh, then uh, Disco Elysium was co-opted and bought out by a big video game conglomerate. Uh, that that's how that's how it works. If if you participate in an industry that is inherently exploitative, as I would argue, the video game industry very much in is, you'll end up being exploited by it, and you'll have to sell your shit, and your intellectual property will be robbed of you, and uh, you know everyone will still like your video game, but your video game cannot claim to have you know a big. Uh, a, a big, you know, philosophical statement. You can't be like, we're the f fucking communist company making a video game. If you're a communist, uh, what you should be doing is making paintings or uh, writing a book. You know, the communist manifesto uh, is some hard-ass Russian-Soviet shit. It doesn't fuck around with video game bullshit. 
Uh, that's a hard ass whisk, you know, freaking vodka sipping, freaking. If you want to be a fucking communist, uh, here's an idea, right? Uh, write a fucking book. Then you can claim to be a communist. Because guess what? Uh, your book is much less likely to be exploited by the by the higher class or whatever. If you, if you say you're a communist, uh, the best possible strategy is uh, don't make video games. Don't be a fucking gamer, because gaming relies... Out of every form of art, gaming is, like, just the most fucking, um, it's the most fucking exploitative, you know? It's the most freaking, like, just capitalist. The only, uh, truly Soviet video game is, uh, Tetris. Tetris was invented by the Soviets, and, uh, there's no fucking pretense to it. It doesn't, you know, and, and it's, like, public domain, because obviously, because the freaking... Now the frickin' Soviets didn't give a shit about copyright, so anyone can make their own Tetris game. Anyone can just make a Tetris, and call it Tetris, and not get sued, and it's just blocks that fall into place. It's not pretentious, it doesn't pretend to be anything more than it is. Very basic fucking game, but that's... That's Soviet gaming for you. The Soviets didn't really... weren't really interested in fucking around with video games. Because they were too busy making real art, like books and music and shit. Movies, like Tarkovsky's Stalker, which I can't recommend enough. Those of you listening in who claim that the Soviet Union was artistically bereft or something and only churned out propaganda, just watch a Tarkovsky movie. Those are actual, like, really good art. State-funded by the Soviet Union, uh, but uh, great fucking movies, nonetheless. Arguably better than a lot of American films. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Disco Elysium. I get that a lot of people enjoy it, because it has a lot of, you know, it talks a lot about a bunch of different political ideas and, and economics and stuff. Um, but in general, you can just learn about that stuff by reading a book. If you're really into it, if you really want to delve deep into some commie shit and get the inside scoop on, on you know, unions and the relations and, and all that. Uh, just read some hard-ass communist shit like the Revolutionary Catechism or something that's just like a completely bleak, snow-covered, vodka-sipping experience and you'll get a, a much more solid idea of, of, like, economics and social issues. I, I guarantee it. Uh, it's pretty basic, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, like I was saying, uh, video game urban legends aren't convincing because video games, from their inception, and this has gone down a bit with indie games, but really video games were designed as a monopoly from the outset with proprietary patented technology that was only available to the few. And if you liked Pac-Man when you saw it, uh, you couldn't make Pac-Man because that was in the hands of the big video game companies and they didn't make their, you know, technology open source. Um, by contrast, the reason creepy old VHS tapes are scary is because VHS is a public domain format that a lot of normal people actually used and created art with. And 
The same cannot be said of video games. The story of video games is one of a cutthroat, monopolistic, top-down industry where employees are routinely abused, the staff is just a bunch of fat imbeciles, and uh, nothing of actual value ever gets produced. It's, it's the story of just consistent, perpetual abuse by the upper class over the lower class, a thoroughly immoral and rotten uh, industry that's just full of shit. It's just full of nonsense. So, at the end of the day, the reason a lot of gaming urban legends aren't convincing, going back to this original point, which was ways back, is that... Uh, there couldn't have been a small, independent, you know, forgotten game in the 90s or 80s because video games were not an accessible technology and in most regards today still are not an accessible form of human expression. Uh, what is accessible is books, movies, uh paintings. You can make a movie easier than you can make a video game, I guarantee it. Um, you know, even if, you know, even if you have a cell phone with a camera on it, you can film with that. Or you can buy a camera. You can buy a professional digital or film camera. Buy it once. You know, a digital camera obviously has less quality uh, visually, but more utility because it's a, a better investment because you can just use it again and again and again. Just delete stuff off the, off the memory card and, and refill it up with new footage. Um, movies are cheaper to make than video games. Video games are the most expensive and deliberately inaccessible industry if you want to artistically express yourself, and they're also the most esoteric industry. They're esoteric by design because computer programming is a niche job and it's full of nerds who pride themselves on being the smartest people in the room. And when you have an entire form of art that's governed by a bunch of Sheldon Coopers all bazinga-ing in unison, that's not going to be an interesting, uh, it's not going to be an interesting medium. Much like if all, uh, you know, movies were made by, like, a certain demographic. Like, if, if all movies were made by, uh, greasers or something it, it'd be a boring medium that nobody would be interested in the only reason movies have caught on and, and novels catch on and and paintings catch on is because anyone can make them the reason uh, novels you know fantastic works of literature like invisible man by ralph ellison are popular and the reason that they, they made such a societal impact and, and kind of alerted the American public to the plight of the African-American people is because you can create an eloquent statement. You can create a fantastic expression of your personal self with a novel. And if Invisible Man was a video game, it'd be memed up, up and down and all over every which way by the Internet and people would be making Invisible Man the game memes the same way they make Sonic.exe, and they'd be making creepypastas based off the Invisible Man game, and nobody would take this extremely serious statement seriously, because video games are not a serious medium, and they lack maturity. They lack the ability to be taken seriously because they're made by a bunch of man-children, or a bunch of G-Fuel chugging neckbeards 
and they all suck ass and are really fucking lame. And that's just the case. Video games are a, an ideologically empty pursuit. They don't yield the fruits of creation to the same extent that you would get if you pursued painting or drawing or music or, or writing or filming or any other creative endeavor. Video games are stupid as shit. They are a dumb troglodyte art form for cheap thrills for a short attention span get your quick little little fucking fix and uh, i think gaming is cringe gaming is cringe yo that that's the facts gaming is cringe uh it's a very it's an extremely cringe field uh i i, I don't see jack shit in video games and you know if 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 as dingo said this week uh, if you're looking to get big in, you know, the game of life and actually improve your, your scenario um, and actually, like, enjoy life, you're not going to enjoy life by trying to escape from it. I think much like Rick and Morty, the reason video games appeal to people is because they're, like, you know, just escapism. They just kind of say, fuck the real world. Fuck around in, in fantasy land, and it's ideologically empty and devoid of substance, but you can just fuck around in here for a while. Um, but real art, you know, like really good art does make you think. It's not just pure escapism. Sometimes art is about confronting the reality in which we live. Uh, the most interesting art, like Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, uh, does that pretty fucking well, I might add. It's a great memoir. I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, it's good. Uh, but yeah, video games are uh, dumb. Video games are dumb. They've always been really dumb. And like I said, the best ones are the ones like Pac-Man or Mario that just admit to being dumb, dumb, stupid fun that kills, kills time, but is not meant to actually present any serious argument because video games are fundamentally incapable of that because they present the illusion that you are the main character and that you have infinite choice when in fact you don't because that's not how any medium of art works no medium can present you with infinite choice if one video game was created which actually presented the player with infinite choice there would be no more video games ever made because that would be the ultimate video game but that's never going to happen because every video game is a carefully programmed story that is programmed by people with said endings. And while GTA V can have like 20 endings, it can't have infinite endings because that is not physically possible. On the other hand, the actual real world does present uh, an infinite amount of possibilities, which is something, again, video games cannot do. And uh, real life is much more worth engaging with, as I see it. Now, again, I don't want to be like Dingo and assume that just because someone sits around playing shitty video games all day, they don't feel fulfilled in life. You know, maybe they do. Maybe they're not terminally depressed. Maybe someone who, who sits around and plays Halo all day is happy and healthy and living their best life. And that's what's fun for them. I'm not going to be judgmental, as Dingo is with my uh, comic-selling lifestyle, where I sell comics through the mail uh, to people who want them, 
and write to Nicholas Cicada, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Denver, Colorado, 80206, to engage with higher forms of art. Uh, I'm not going to judge gamers. You know, maybe maybe some gamers uh, just have fun with gaming. You know, maybe that's the case. But regardless, uh, games are not uh, infinite like real life is. You know, maybe maybe you really have a lot of fun playing video games and you think that's your best life. Uh, it's certainly not my best life, and I am uh, I am very proud that I've never owned a fucking console, and I can't play Dead Space the remake. But I can watch Alien on VHS, which kicks ass. Go watch Alien. It's fucking awesome. Holds up really well. Um, holds up way better than the Dead Space games probably will. I'll tell you that much, because video games have, like, zero staying power. As for The Last of Us, uh, I hope it's uh, one of the last video games. Am I right? Doom, You know? Anyway... Uh, that's about all, all I had to say, really, about video games in general. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, the only video game urban legend that's actually creepy or, like, remotely, uh, plausible is Polybius, because it was supposedly developed by the U.S. government as a brainwashing technique, and, uh, that's actually, uh, somewhat plausible, you know? I, I could buy that in the 80s, uh, the U.S. government would have the, the capabilities to make a, a, a video game, uh, they're about the only people I would expect to have that capability besides Atari or Nintendo. Um, I definitely wouldn't just expect some random creepy video game that's out of nowhere. Like on the one hand, if Nintendo made it, then Nintendo would have some record of it, so that's what makes uh, games like Mario Knights extremely easy to disprove and in turn not believe. And on the other hand, video games like What Happened to Agent Small simply could not exist uh, given how history actually was. There, there, there were no small indie games uh, in the 1980s. That wasn't a thing. Video games are, by default, uh, designed to make a shit ton of money and keep people on them and paying out for expansion packs and season passes and every single fucking gaming accessory and a big jug of Nuka-Cola the fallout addicts out there mm, nuka-cola but it's not uh, an actual form of like deep creative expression that is going to leave an impact on anyone uh, that's just not the case it's just not possible to do with gaming and uh it's never gonna happen uh so yeah it, i, I want to see all video games just piled into a big hole and lit on fire you know, like they did to the E.T. video game. They should just do that with every video game. Just dig a big hole in the middle of the Nevada desert, toss all your gaming shit in there, whoosh. The world would uh, not be uh, worse off for it, I, I can tell you that much. Nobody would actually uh, miss, you know, the frickin' Last Among Us Part 5 or whatever. Anyway, it's good to know that my, uh, my epic gaming spoof the absolute state of modern creepypasta has hit the uh, YouTube algorithm in a big way. And, uh, yeah, that's all I really have to say on this subject. Uh, thanks to Dingo and Conqueror for popping on today's Q&A. Go check both their work out. Uh, again, I highly recommend Dingo's new video, uh, Dingo's new video, Destiny vs. Fauch, A Fractured Friendship. And Destiny... Uh, if you're listening into this, 
uh, I'd be interested in a debate with with Destiny, the the Twitch bra, the guy on Twitch, the world's most awesome video website that is owned by Amazon. Cool. I I can't get enough of Twitch and the epic Twitch drama, and I enjoy Dingo's epic documentaries on on the Twitch lifestyle. And these gamers who, who pretend to be political commentators. Oh yeah, Hassan is totally the next fucking Karl Marx. Absolutely. He, he's practically Leon Trotsky over here with his uh, Bernie Sanders mittens cut out in the back. Uh, yeah, Hassan is absolutely the, the type political revolutionary who can start a movement and change the game. As much as Kendall Jenner does in the Pepsi ad. That's all for this week. Hope you found it interesting. Hope you found something of a substance tonight. And I've got a lot of work to do, so I'll be off now. But gotta say, this this uh, gaming mindset is very interesting. Ga gamers rise up, am I right? Mmm, ga gaming it out. Game to game into the max, brah. Gaming time up in here. Okay, that's it for the Nicholas Comics Q&A this week. Bye, Nicholas Comics. Of a neighbor. Of a neighbor. Do you want to be on the Join the Nicholas Comics Discord server for this. I'll answer any questions you have. You can appear in the next episode. If you want to buy Nicholas Comics, write to Nicholas Dave, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode. Nicholas! Nicholas! Bitches, me, I'm the chief. Bye. Don't you get it? Anybody, 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 anybody,